Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so thrilled to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, child and teen development specialist, author and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who keep me loving, learning, and growing every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy, but we are in this together, and thankfully, we have a lot of wonderful people to help us along the way. Now, what is needed to help kids succeed in today's world? Goals, commitment, drive? Perhaps. But our next guest has an answer to that question that might surprise you. Empathy. Empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another person. It allows our hearts to go out to others, helps us to care deeply, uplift, connect, and love. In a world that often seems to shout, go big or go home, take no prisoners, and let's take a selfie. Empathy seems to be getting crowded out of this child-raising conversation, and yet empathy is vital to health, wealth, happiness, relationship satisfaction, and resilience. It promotes kindness, reduces incidents of bullying, and boosts critical thinking skills. Empathy, according to our next guest, is the core to everything that makes a society civilized, but above all, it makes our children better people. And who doesn't want that? I am so excited to have my dear friend, Dr. Michelle Borba, on the show today. Now, Dr. Michelle Borba is an internationally recognized education psychologist and expert in bullying, social-emotional learning, and character development. She's spoken to over one million participants on five continents. She is a Today Show contributor, appearing over 140 times, and actually even appeared with me, and is a featured expert on Dateline, The View, Dr. Phil, and more. And she is regularly quoted in national media from the New York Times, Time, Boston Globe, Washington Post. Dr. Barba has authored 24 books. Her latest are Unselfie, Why Empathetic Kids Succeed in Our All About Me World, and The Six R's of Bullying Prevention. Now, for more information, please see michelleborba.com, or she can be seen on Facebook at facebook.com slash drmichelleborba and Twitter uh, at michelleborba as well. Thank you so much, Michelle, for joining us on How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Oh, I have been waiting for this moment because I absolutely adore you. So thanks for the invitation. Well, I can be more excited. I know we've been friends for a long time. I feel like you have so much to offer. There's so many great things that you've done in this latest book, Unselfie. And I can't wait to dive in. But before we get into the meat of the matter, for those who haven't had a chance to meet you or read your books or hear you speak, would you just take a moment to tell us what gets you up in the morning and what got you so interested in exploring the issue of empathy and kids? Oh, thanks for that question. Well, it's children that get me up in the morning. I'm concerned about them. I'm really concerned about the plight of our kids. I've I've had this immense 
joy, incredible opportunity to be able to work all over the world. I've worked on 18 army bases overseas. I've worked in third world countries as goodwill ambassadors. So I've seen some sites, but it's always been kids who have told me something's going on and wrong. I think that the moment that was transformational to me was um, the Columbine High School massacre. Uh, I remember vividly, Robin, uh, that I sat there with my heart in my throat. I had spoken at Littleton just just prior to that. Ugh. And I'd gone home and told my husband that's where we should be raising our sons. So when that moment happened, I realized there was just this seismic shift in our kids' childhood. And I started studying youth violence. And my second most unforgettable moment, I wrote a bill on how to stop school shootings. I was sitting in the Senate chambers giving it. And I'd finished, gone out for a drink of water, and this kid, I'll never forget him. He walks down the hall. Now, why he was there is still beyond me, but he's holding up his jeans so they won't fall mm. down, looks at me, kind of gives me the eye, and then he says, great speech, lady, keep giving it. Uh. And I was like, what did you like about <laughs> what I said? I pulled him aside, and this absolutely precious kid said, all the stuff you told us, told them that we need to teach kids how to care, nobody's doing that. Mm -hmm. It would have kept my brother out of jail, so keep giving that speech. He walks off, and my mouth was like, ah! <laughs> oh. He changed my entire research. <laughs> I knew he was right, and that was one 15-year-old who kept me going for the next 10 years. Oh. And that's how, that's how one selfie started was one moment. What an amazing story, and and what an incredible kid to create such a ripple effect. I'm so glad he spoke up in that moment. That is outstanding. Now, your book is titled Unselfie, and so uh, just for those who are listening, how would you define a child who is unselfie, and, and how is this empath empathy crisis that you're talking about getting getting out of hand what's happening here oh uh, well it was another kid who came up with the term on selfie i was doing a big seminar with kids teens and uh we were talking about selfies and the the nosedive that's happening with children's empathy around the world and this one kid says i think we need to become unselfies and i would <laughs> and i said what would that look like and she said We'd stop flipping our lens at us and flip it on others. And once we start turning around, it would make us think we, not me. And it went, ah, oh, oh. let me go that, that. Kids, they always are just yes. so right on the mark, Robin. Oh. Uh, and she was so right on the mark, too, because uh, my biggest next concern, and every parent should be concerned, is an ongoing survey that's been done, study, University of Michigan. They've been tracking incoming college freshmen across the US from every zip code demographic boy girl and it's been a simple little narcissism personality test so as you come in for the next 30 years last 30 years these kids have been given a little test that says you know if you were saw somebody who was distressed how often would you help would you want to help and step in if you saw somebody who needed your help and what they saw is around the year 2000 this nosedive mm -hmm. empathy had dropped about 40% while at the same time, narcissism has increased about 58%. We're talking thousands of kids, and it has continued to dip while narcissism increased. So mm -hmm. I realized there goes civilization. And so my next thing was to look at what is causing it to dip, and then what can we do about it? Because the good news is empathy can be cultivated. What I'm trying to do is have a national conversation so parents realize 
we got to add empathy to our parenting agendas. You know, I want to talk about that because we, we get so many messages. I'm a parent. You're a parent. We get so many messages that our children really need to be the best and earlier and earlier. Now, how early can we start them to become the best in whatever field it is? The top of their game in academics and sports, in the friendship game and in, in goals. And do we still want our children to strive and work and drive that grit and, and become something important? Or, or do we have to shift our attention to empathy? How, how does this work? How it works is balancing. What we've done, I fear, is put so much onto the grit, which it's wonderful. Let's make sure our kids learn to persevere. But we've struck in the balance so that we've overlooked empathy and mm -hmm. all of the research is saying our kids aren't even getting the message that it matters. I mean, the Harvard making caring common survey of thousands of kids yes, yes. asking how important is it for you to care when the majority of the children, 80% of them said, my mom really wants me to get the grade That's and right. caring was down at the 20% level. I'm on my way to Sesame street where they're finding the same thing to report that 76% of parents are very concerned that the world is treating their kids unfairly, but they're putting empathy down in the low level where they're thinking the most important thing is to teach your kids to say please and thank you. So the bottom line is we've narrowed our definition of success into one metric. It's a GPA and an SAT score. And as a result, the whole child is tanked. And I think it's a big reason why we are now raising congratulations, the most stressed out generation on mm -hmm. record, mm -hmm. kids with depression that is now starting at a very, very young age, children who have a passion and a talent. The University of Chicago has tracked our most talented children and found by age 13, our best and our brightest are burned out and quitting their talent because they have no time to do anything else. Mm -hmm. So as a result, there's a lot of things that we need to kind of widen it. And that's what I'm trying to do on, on Selfie is make parents realize this doesn't have to take a whole bunch of time. It's just boosting a little more intentionality, finding simple little ways to weave it in. And what I tried to do is collect over 300 of the just simple ideas from toddlers to teens that are based on science that are also easy. So I love that. And you mentioned the Making Care in Common program. And I um, I actually just interviewed uh, Dr. Richard Weisbord to check that out. He's actually talking now about uh, adolescence and, um, and how, you know, we need to talk about caring and even romantic relationships and, and not just the friendships. So he's, I love that you're, you've just mentioned that making care in common program, um, cause he was a delightful guest. Yeah. Um, still just delightful. So, you know, you mentioned that there's, you know, all these little tips that you've, gotten from all over the world and on selfies filled with stories you've collected in so many incredible travels that you've been on can you share some of the most creative interesting empathy building strategies that that people can can hear about and maybe even adapt for their own homes yes thank you for asking and because it's always been kids once again who turned me into this idea works. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like powerful. First, Robin, I think it's critical that parents realize there's nine different habits. So yes. my first step on all of this was yes to comb the world and yes to interview the top most incredible researchers everywhere and then go try to find where can we use those strategies or what do they look like. There's nine habits and once I identified those nine habits like emotional literacy, 
moral identity. You've got to see yourself as a caring person. Perspective taking, you've got to be able to take the, the cognitive side of the other view. Mm-hmm. Uh, moral imagination to be able to step into somebody's world. Self-regulation, you've got to be able to manage your emotions so that your empathy keeps open. There's nine of those habits. Mm-hmm. Then was matching them. Habit number one is emotional literacy. Yes. Reading somebody else's emotions. Mm-hmm. Without that, you can't have the empathy. Because you've got to be able to go, oh, she looks upset. So mm-hmm. therefore, I'm going to help her. And that's the first piece we've got to be aware of. Because today's kids would rather text than talk. Today's kids are looking down, not up. And the best strategy I've seen anywhere in the world was in Alberta, Canada. Superintendent said, you've got to go into that classroom. Look at those kids in third grade. So I walked in. They're all sitting on a rug, waiting eagerly for their teacher. The little guy next to me said, sit on your hands and keep your face really straight because she cries really easily. (laughs) About the teacher when the door opens and in walks the teacher and it was an eight-month-old baby. Mm. So they put the baby on the floor. It's Roots of Empathy uh, by Mary Gordon, who I interviewed for the book. I adore. Mm -hmm. They've used this program with over 800,000 kids around the world. Empathy goes up. Bullying goes down. Why does it work? First, it's real and it's meaningful. The real teacher, who was a caring, real live adult, is now saying to the kids, how does Clara, the baby, seem to feel today? And the kids zero in on her. Oh, she looks frustrated. How do you know Mm -hmm. she's frustrated? Got her hands are in little fists. Or Mm -hmm. her face looks like she's going to cry. Oh, we need to start singing a lullaby. And all these kids start to sing a lullaby. And the kid next to me, you know, gives me a little punch and goes, Clara's learning empathy. And I give him a punch (laughs) back. It isn't just Clara. (laughs) So I asked the child, why does this work? Mm -hmm. And he says, quote unquote, it's because empathy is a verb. And I said, what does that mean? He goes, you can't learn it on a worksheet. You got to see it and feel it in order to get it. And that's the truth of the research. So strategy number one is, you may be able to help your child learn from a baby who's in your family, but you can also use a puppy. You can use wonderful things like, for instance, uh, looking at wonderful movies like Inside Out and talking mm-hmm. about that. You can help your child FaceTime so that as you're Skyping with grandma, you can say, now watch to see if you know when grandma's starting to get a little tired so you'll know when to say goodbye. Mm. All of those are simple ideas, but they can make such a difference. That's emotional literacy. It's beautiful. You know, I, I noticed that you talk a lot about emotional literacy and unselfie. And I was wondering, I mean, this is sort of just like my side note, but like I was wondering if you felt like I did that children really need to slow down and be mindful of their emotions as well as the emotions of others. I mean, we we are such a lightning fast society. And I just kept, every time I was reading that chapter, I was thinking to myself, this feels like a connection with mindfulness. What do you think about that? And, And how do you think we can help kids to in the moment slow down and and take in their own feelings as well as the feelings of other people Uh, great point because the habit number five is self-regulation and self-regulation and emotional literacy blend together Mm -hmm. why well because you've got to be able to stop and and just pause for a minute Mm -hmm. to be able to process how am I feeling or how does the other person feel and what we're seeing is that many of our children are are developing the empathy gap 
where they have that empathetic feeling, but because their stress level is going up, they're dialing down their empathy mm -hmm. so they can be in survival mode. Yes. Uh, the best ideas I've seen when you asked about the creative idea, mm -hmm. listen to Tibet. Mm -hmm. teaching mindfulness to children. Now, of course, we're teaching it everywhere else in the world, but the Buddhist monks are absolutely brilliant at it. In yes. fact, the Dalai Lama has flown them into a Wisconsin, putting them into MRIs and discovered because they practice mindfulness or stopping and pausing, taking breaths, and then exhaling twice as long as they inhale and then once they learn that they start meditating on compassion the part of the brain where compassion is is far more developed than anybody else's brain that they put in just regular college kids that tells us that we actually can rewire our children's brains the compassion part by teaching them how to just take a pause because I think that's a huge issue mm -hmm. today's kids are stressed they're not in the sandbox they're not having a time to learn how to replace that that pent-up feeling. And as a result, they're not looking towards others to see how they feel because they're so pent-up on trying to figure out how to get myself in line. Self-regulation is key, and that's a big habit to fight the empathy gap. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you, you say in your book that we're missing a big opportunity to boost empathy because we're using the wrong discipline. So what, yeah. what does research say is the best disciplinary action that can build empathy? Uh, another great question, Robin, and I'm going to just take one little point behind it. We're not just using discipline wrong. Many of the strategies in parenting we are completely doing wrong because they reduce empathy, don't increase it. We've got to keep up with the science and the times, and it doesn't need to make it difficult. For instance, Discipline. Okay. Our most common kind of discipline right now is timeout, or that's one, two, three, you're out. Uh, just taking a moment to pause. It's fabulous that we're helping our children learn that's wrong. Now you go sit for a minute, collect yourself, and then come on back. Or here's the consequence. Fine. But the big mistake we're doing, Martin Hoffman, who is just the guru of gurus of empathy, says, is not using inductive discipline that we can actually use when our children are 17 months of age. Inductive discipline is stopping them in the tracks when they do something hurtful and ask them, how would you feel if that happened to you? Mm -hmm. Look at Johnny's face. He looks really sad. What are you going to do to make Johnny feel better? Mm -hmm. uh, they've also discovered that one of the best statements that you can teach, to say to your child, even your teen, is I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed in that behavior because in this house mm -hmm. we stand for caring or kindness. I know you can do better because I know you're a kind person. Mm -hmm. What you're then doing is instilling in that child your expectations. You're instilling and helping him develop a kind mindset. We're all big on the growth mindset. This is the kind mindset. And as a result, his behavior is more likely to match how he feels about himself so discipline matters tremendously and it doesn't have to be hard it's just tough quick little switches mm -hmm. that can make a major difference on how our kids turn out mm -hmm. these are so important you also talk in chapter eight about moral courage and surprisingly you wrote that navy seals shared four strategies with you that they were taught to keep fear at bay and 
empathy open. I'm so curious about this and I'd love you to talk more about what these four strategies are and how parents can then teach those to children. I love, thank you, I love this. I was working on army bases overseas and here's the most elite forces in the world, Navy SEALs. The commanders realized that I was working on empathy and they said, you've got to go interview them. I said, why? He said, because they completely revamped their training to keep fear at bay. Okay, if they're doing something powerful, what is it? I figured this was going to be mind-bogglingly difficult, mm -hmm. but they've actually used neuroscience to prove that not only does it help keep their fear down, but their courage open they're stressed down, it's very simple to do. I said, what are these strategies? Number one, they said, we take deep breaths. I said, really, mm. what's a deep breath? Slow deep breaths from deep in your stomach, down low. Kids take them high, then they hyperventilate. But you take a slow deep breath, tell kids like you're riding up an escalator mm -hmm. or an elevator. Okay, you take a slow deep breath till it goes way, way up in your head, through your nose. Now, stop pause later on they can get into mindfulness right now they just need to get into breathing mm -hmm. and then let it out slowly what they discovered is if the letting it out exhaling is twice as long as the inhale it's the fastest way to relax mm -hmm. don't take one take at least three and then later on you keep practicing and you keep practicing I've seen five-year-olds do that. Mm -hmm. I've seen parents teach little ones how to do that with bubble blowers. Make your meanies go way, 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 way far away, and then they have a tool. The second thing is they were taught to chunk it. Chunk it means don't, don't look at the whole thing. Just look at part of it. For instance, for a lot of kids, I don't think I can get through the whole day, mom, it's too hard. Then mm -hmm. don't get through the whole day, right. just get through the first 30 seconds. And then you can get through the next 30 seconds and then the next 30 seconds. Third one is is a, is a positive affirmation. Seals say they all have a positive statement they say inside their head. I can do it, I can get through this. Whatever it is, you teach your child one statement to keep repeating it and what happens is their heart will stay open and they can get through it. And then the final thing is is uh, the practicing self-actualization of seeing yourself survive it, which is uh, what many Olympic swimmers do, or skiers, or all the above. Mm -hmm. They see the end product, and then they practice it so they can get it through, and they rehearse it in their mind. Those are four strategies. You would teach one at a time until it becomes a lifelong habit, and it'll not only help your child's courage stay open, but it'll help their empathy stay open and their stress stay down and doesn't cost a dime. No, and there's such great strategies. We've talked about these um, with Lynn Kenny. We've talked about them with Lori Light. We've been talking about some of these strategies with regard to anger management, stress management, and they. It, it's interesting that they keep coming up, these, these breathing, these positive affirmations. All of this seems to help ground our children and help them to face whatever it is, whether it's their own emotions and dealing with big feelings, or it's dealing with sleep, or dealing with something that they're having trouble with during the day. So I love that these keep coming up. And I'm actually right now working with my own daughter on on this breathing, these breathing techniques. They're so important. I, I love Yeah, that. I was... I was in with a classroom. Now, once I got done with the Navy SEALs, my next thing was, okay, now I'll go see it in action. Mm -hmm. Jennifer Bell, 
Redondo Beach first grade teacher, mind boggling. Everybody said, you got to go see her. So I walked into the classroom. All these precious little six year olds are sitting around and she says to them, okay, let's teach Dr. Bohr about what do we do when stress mounts? What happens to your brain? You can't think, says the kid. You can't think when your brain is all stressed mm -hmm. out. So what do we do? And all these kids yell out, you just breathe, Miss mm -hmm. Bell. You just breathe. She says, okay, show her. And on the spot, the whole class lies down. Now, mm -hmm. they lie down straight, but they each grab a beanbag, turtles and froggies, and they mm -hmm. put it deep on their tummy. Mm -hmm. And then what they have been practicing doing over and over again is to take slow breaths, just belly breaths. So froggy goes up mm -hmm. and then froggy goes down on the tummy. And I'm telling you, Robin, within three minutes, the whole class was asleep. Ah! <laughs> absolutely precious and I said okay there we go the best part about that is a child can do that anywhere anytime we're teaching kids now use the app or go listen yes. to the yoga mat it's like you can't do that in the here and now you got to figure out what to do our next big mistake is we don't practice it enough empathy needs to be exercised the mm -hmm. habits of it if you practice it over and over again what happens is you've got a life skill that your child will be able to use the rest of their life and you've done something miraculously wonderful in your parenting. Oh, this is so important, such important work and I love that you have all of this in your book, Unselfie. You know, if a parent recognizes their child to have sort of gone to the selfie side and in your book, you know, you've talked about these nine teachable habits, but what happens if, if a parent's like, you know what? My child really needs a lot of work in this in this area. How do we turn things around right now? I mean, are we have we gone too far to one direction? What what's the what would you say the first three things a parent should do if they really already realize their child is is getting getting to that real selfish stage and then and today's the day they want to change it. Number one is you pat yourself on your back and you immediately go and take yourself to a spa. <laughs> because the hardest thing in parenting is to admit something's wrong and I got to turn it around. So you've already taken the first huge step. Now you need to know you got to change. Mm -hmm. What do you do? Second thing is get educated, like read on selfie or look mm -hmm. on empathy because it can be cultivated. If I was to tell you the third thing, it's the easiest, most powerful thing. And again, it was kids who taught me service giving towards others. I interviewed about 500 kids when I was writing on Selfie. They were all nominated by teachers any place in the world as being an altruistic child. Mm. And a lot of them had been at one point not the most altruistic kind of a kid. It was kind of the opposite. But the brilliance of the parent said, we're going to start focusing on others and not just yourself. And then what they did is that they found some kind of a strategy, not that looked good on a resume for an Ivy League college, but the child was passionate about. For instance, if they had a little musical guy who loved guitar, that's the child who's going to take his guitar and go practice maybe or teach or sing with the elderly. Mm -hmm. If you've got a kid who loves to draw, that's the kid who's going to draw cards and bring him to pediatric wards. Mm -hmm. Match your child's passion. But all of the research says one other thing, Robin, Service learning is powerful. It can transform a child. Those are the goosebumply kinds of stories that I got. But they should all start first face-to-face. -face. Collecting 50,000 coins to send into Biafra does not help a child who is shut down in empathy. What does is seeing the response and the gratitude of the other person. Yes. And you can only get that face-to-face. -face. And right. In fact, um, 
I learned that myself in Rwanda. It was just amazing of just giving out laptops to kids. But it was one little boy. Uh, this was the moment that said this is workable and doable. All these children from Minnesota had packed these precious little backpacks to give to these orphans, deaf mute kids whose parents had given them away and their their grandparents had been slaughtered in a genocide in mm. Rwanda. Mm. Now these were little teeny dollar store backpacks and they had you know little gum and rulers and little notebooks, but each one of them had a handwritten note from a child. I was giving out the backpacks and the kids were devouring them, so excited. But I kept watching one little guy off to the side who looked very, very concerned. And he kept going through the backpack and going through it again. And I kept thinking, does he need more gum? Does he need more candy? Until I finally saw him find what he was looking for. And it was the handwritten note mm -hmm. from the child. I'll never mm -hmm. forget it. Mm -hmm. He picked up the note, holds it to his chest, <sighs> starts to sob. And then he starts reading it line by line and I'm moving closer and closer to him and it just said you know hi my name is Ryan I live in Minnesota and mm -hmm. I I packed this for you but this little guy looks at me sees that I'm just sobbing he signs heart looks at his eyes looks at mine holds it back to his chest and I realized it all started with face-to-face -face connection. That was my transformational mm. moment. That's wow. how I started on the spot going, okay, I'm now a goodwill ambassador for this organization. Mm -hmm. I'll do anything. But I had wished that the child who had written the note had seen the impact mm -hmm. because that's what makes the change in a child. You Ugh. can no longer go back to who you are. Find something for your child to do good, to give and not get. And that's the sole secret to empathy. It just is transformational. Oh, my goodness. I've read that story already that you just told, but now, of course, I'm crying because uh, hearing it out of your mouth makes such a an impact, and I, I can see the child, and I, I just can imagine oh. the note, and what a beautiful, beautiful circumstance. What a gift on, on every side. That was just incredible. Oh, my goodness. Now, I'm wondering... You know, we, we on this podcast, what I really feel like I love to provide is is making sure that somebody has what to say to their child that will help them to understand the importance of this area of empathy, making sure that if a child is sitting in front of you and say you've never really talked about empathy before, maybe you've corrected selfishness as it's come up, you know, like you can't do that, you can't take that, it's not all about you or whatever, maybe you've said some of these things, but what can you say to a child who you really want them to start thinking about other people. How does a parent start the conversation about empathy with their child? I think the most important thing is kid after kid said you don't learn it in a lecture. Mm -hmm. So I would strongly suggest you not talk about it in the here and now of let's talk about empathy. Instead, you put it in the back of your mind. This is your step four on the parent to turn it around. You look for the moment that you see somebody who's done something that really has made a difference in a child. Maybe mm -hmm. it's your own child. Or, or maybe it's a child who's sitting in a sandbox and you're at the park and another little guy walks up with this crying child and puts his arm around the mm -hmm. child. And there is your avenue. Oh my gosh, do you see what he did? It was so simple. She was so sad and he just 
gave her a hug or he handed her the lunchbox. That's what empathy is all about. That's what we're about in this family. Mm-hmm. That's what you can do to make a difference in the world. Let's look for those moments. It's first showing him that it is doable. Mm-hmm. And second of all, doing one little thing that I think we've got to keep in mind, Robin, the fastest way to boost empathy in our children is not expecting our kids to do it, but modeling it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If our children see it in us, and then you talk a lot about why caring matters and how I expect you to act in our family, and this is who we are, I, I and even coming up with a caring mantra, which is habit number two. So many of the kids said that one of the easiest things that their parents did was to sit around one night and say, get on your pajamas, pop the popcorn, and meet us in the family room. And then I said, what did your parents do then? They said, we sat around with these poster boards, and my mom and dad said, how do we want to be remembered? What kind of family are we? And we brainstormed just simple little things until one girl said, we came up with, we're the caring Perlins, because their last name was Perlins. Mm -hmm. I said, how did it help you? She said, my mom said it so much that pretty soon, I became it. It's mm. amazing how you just keep saying it and over and over she said, you know what, I got married last week and the last thing we did before my dad walked me down the aisle, I'm not going to go through this, my whole family, my two brothers, my mom and my dad, we did the pact that we always did. Remember we're the caring Perlins. We gave each other eye high and then my dad walked me down the aisle and that's who I am and it's because of how I was raised. Mm. Oh, that's so beautiful. Oh, here we are crying. On the podcast. Oh, so beautiful. And I think it's so important to have a family motto so that our you know children know who we are, what we're all about, what we expect of them. And when we're nowhere in sight, that they still yeah. remember it and they still yeah. live it. That That's so important that it's not, you know, my, my parents care most about my grades. But my yeah. parents care most about who I am as a person and what I do in those circumstances when someone's crying, or when somebody is yeah. feeling a put out or lonely, that, that I'm the one who steps up because we're this type of family. And that is so beautiful and so important. And talk about success. I mean, this is really what success is about, isn't it? We have defined success so narrowly as just an, a GPA and an mm-hmm. SAT score. And what we need to do is realize we got one chance to do this right. Mm-hmm. We want successful kids. We want smart kids. But we also want kind children. And we've got to even that balance plate. So when they finally leave us, our legacy is that they have the skills and this and the mindset to be able to be caring people who can make a difference in the world and what I wrote on selfie for is to really help us to create a legacy be the legacy so you plant the values that you want so in your child so later on when you're not here they are the people that you've always hoped that they would become mm, so beautiful I don't know where you're gonna you're gonna get this, but I need a top tip. The single most important thing you wish parents knew about empathy or did about empathy. What what would you say is the, your top tip? I'm gonna say this. This is the tip only because I've worked with the, giving speeches to thousands of parents, and as soon as I say this, most of their mouths will open up. 
that empathy can be cultivated. Mm -hmm. I'm still seeing that many parents look at me and later on going, thank you for saying that. I thought it was part of DNA or I thought it was part of a temperament. Mm -hmm. And once you realize you can nurture it, that our children are hardwired for it and it can be nurtured, you'll look for dozens of just simple little daily moments to weave it in, take it up and let your children know it matters. And that's how we produce a better generation of kids. A group of children who are unselfies, who think we, not me. Mm-hmm. And every bit of research says that's the child who's happier, that's the kid who's going to be more successful, more employable, and certainly the kinder kid who is going to be uh, realize that relationships and getting along with others is really what life is all about. Mm, absolutely. Well, if people want more information about you or about the book, where can they go? What, where, what's the resource of the week? Oh, thank you. Certainly to my website, it's michelleborba.com. I'm a 1L Michelle. On that website, on the homepage, you can also find a book discussion guide. Just a free one. Just download it and get conversation going with your spouse or with your kids or with the neighbors or start a book club. But that is what's happening uh, in communities all across the U.S. right now. There's book club guides that are going on Let's Raise on Selfies and Mm -hmm. what are things in our own community that we can be doing that we can use to to uh, just boost empathy in our children. Absolutely, I, I think there's there's a lot of great great information in there. And whether you have a child who responds great to animals or to kids or to music or to sports, there are things that our children can do that can help to build their empathy. And I know so many of your ideas are right there in the book. Going, I can imagine going just from chapter to chapter um, with maybe a couple of friends and helping your kids to embody what you what you're saying in each chapter would be a great way of going about this yeah I think we take it on too much and we make ourselves into a to-do list you're better off to just go through on selfie and find one simple little idea for instance the simplest idea is the two the two um, kind rule Mm. every day say or do at least two kind things Mm -hmm. and what happens is that pretty soon it it just starts to spiral and ripple and then at night just have one conversation at dinner hey what kind thing did you do today what was the impact I watched my girlfriend raise her three daughters and uh, she wanted to be smart but she also wanted to be kind she started that at age two Mm -hmm. the two kind rule they're now in their 30s they're smart but they are the three kindest kids you could possibly imagine just because she kept reminding it yeah, you're reminded of it, and you're also giving such positive feedback about it. I mean, what does what kid doesn't want to be able to report that, that this was the way I was kind today, Mom. This was the yeah. way I was kind today, Dad. And and to hear your parents say, that's important, and, and yeah. I value that in you. Oh, what a beautiful, beautiful conversation, and I, I just so chock full of information that is helpful. I mean, there's so many tips that you gave to me and to our listeners today. They're so hands-on. I love what you said about that two kinds rule that you just mentioned, and I, I love that that kids can use their own interests and passions and talents to support an an empathy-driven way of life. I think that's just terrific. Thank you so much. 
You're so welcome. Thank you, Robin. Well, I've got my takeaways, and sweet friends, I know you have yours. Let's discuss them. Come up on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash Silverman, or let's chat about it at drrobinsilverman.com or twitter.com slash drrobin. Make sure you include Michelle Borba into all of those tweets, too, because I know she's going to want to hear from you. And if you love this podcast like I did, would you kindly go up to iTunes and rate and review it so other people can learn all about our fabulous guest, her incredible book, and all about the strategies she's talked about. I'd really appreciate it. And that is all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even when it seems like nothing's going right, we all have those days, you've got this. You're here. You've got the information you need. And on the days that we fall short and you know that we have them, never forget there's always tomorrow. Parenting is the ultimate do-over. I get it. And when there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know you are 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com.